I'm recording. No, I'm recording. No, you're recording. <laughs> Does that mean you're not? Uh, that took a weird turn. <laughs> I think that we just summed up this show in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to know that I listened to uh, almost all of last week's episode with James Thompson and the two of you, and I have seen almost all of the keynote. I was interrupted on finishing the podcast episode by my parents FaceTiming from Arizona saying, here's our new TV. It won't show us the channels. Can you fix it? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, there are no channels anymore. I just abandoned that. 50 minutes on FaceTime with them. And failed to solve the problem, the crux of which is they need an HDMI cable. The H the, the coaxial input on their television oh, no. does not actually take cable. It only takes antenna signal. And they need an HDMI port, an HDMI cable, rather, into their uh, TV from their cable box. And mm. my dad will go buy one tomorrow. And <laughs> Samsung makes great TVs. The remote does not even have numbers on it. You get a menu on the screen. That shows you numbers, and you move around to get those. Numbers. I believe that is the Ugh. TV my parent, my dad has, because uh, it's got the like gesture-y remote thingy. Yes, and yeah, it, they it have says, a version of that. Whenever you want to change the channel, it's like if you just hold down the microphone and say a number, we'll do that. But I was like, I don't want to try that right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> also also my father's approach. I don't want to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. I don't that, ever want to talk to a piece of technology. That's never going to stick. <laughs> I gotta say, I don't talk to the Cabo. I have not. I have not fallen into the trap of talking to the Cabo. That's John. That's just rude. <laughs> we don't speak. We're I talk, the, you know, I talk to the Apple the TV. Same room with it. I talk to the Apple TV because there's certain things that you can only get done by talking to the Apple TV. I love the Apple TV's "What did they say?" feature. That is my yes. favorite. I actually, well, and, and I like that. being able to go backwards and forwards certain increments, like yes. an, an increment of my decision. Right. Skip forward 35 minutes and 22 seconds. Yes. Yes. That's, exactly. that's also pretty incredible. Yeah. But I don't like it that there's no button for like, just, just go back like 10 seconds. On the Apple TV? Like every, like every other streaming service the has. The Apple TV has that. How? Where? You press on, you click oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, left yeah. and right oh, sides true. of it. Yeah. That's true. That, okay. I'm thinking, I that I'm lot. actually thinking, yeah. of, I'm thinking of the iPad. Oh yes, yes. The just like the standard. As you so play. often are. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I watch most. I probably watch most things on the iPad. Um, and you can't. There's other than like talking to Siri. There's no way to go back like ten seconds right. with the, just a button. With individual, just a push. individual apps have it, but the native player does not. The yeah, the the movie, the movie, t- the TV player does not. Which is yeah. funny because their podcast app has customizable ones. I think. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, this has been an interesting digression, but Lex was in the middle of saying he listened to most of our show from last week. Lex, did you watch the keynote? <laughs> I, I said already, I watched most of the keynote. Once okay. they got to the Mac Pro, that's when I haven't finished the rest. So I, I saw some of the Mac Pro stuff. Ooh, spoilers. Um, yeah. Mm. And I did not finish beyond that. Although I, I, I read the coverage. I was, I was on spoiler, an airplane. It's expensive. Yeah. I was on an airplane during the keynote and I only had, uh, Alaska Airlines has free texting and iMessage for T-Mobile customers. So I had that, but not data. And I didn't want to bother Dan since he was actually at the event. So I texted John Moltz and John Armstrong from turning this car around. And I was like, hey, can you guys give me real-time updates? And the answer was no. They really, really could not. I got one text <laughs> we gave every you, I gave minutes. you some. I gave you a couple. 
was it was the yeah, worst live block well, in the history. Of well, what, what do you want me to do? Like, Real just, time? W- could you not get Twitter? I, no, I could only text. That was literally all oh, I okay. had. Okay. Well, maybe so, I misunderstood. I, just in brief, the updates <laughs> I got were the following. Xbox One S and PlayStation DualShock 4 controller support for Apple TV 4K. That is awesome. <laughs> I sent the snoring emoji. John Armstrong replied, eat me, Lex. And then (laughs) Molt said, HomeKit secure video storage, Lex. Three manufacturers using it. Then Molt said, Memoji stickers, Lex. (laughs) Start downloading that beta now on the plain Wi-Fi. And then Armstrong had an essay about Siri. And that was it. I only want John to give me my live blogs from now on. (laughs) (laughs) It's best when it has your name attached to it. Yes, I feel it's so personalized. Well, now, there were a few more things other than those. <laughs> yes. I, before we go deep, because you guys covered a lot of it last week, I have one question that I've been dying to ask Moltz. Since I heard uh, 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 Jaws, I guess, on the talk show, how is it that we've done an uh, Apple tech podcast with you for approximately 50 years, and you never mentioned the time that Apple offered you a job as a writer? <laughs> well, okay. So... Uh, it's at minute seven. Here, here's my side. So here's my side. So basically, the story that he told is is true. I had not heard all of the story, um, but at some point uh, in 2002, yeah, mid 2002, I get an email, and and, and I had gotten so Schiller used to, Schiller used to go to certain events and do, uh, and he would present right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, when jobs when it was se- deemed something that was not important enough for jobs to go Schiller would go and and there used to be like a quick time thing oh yeah there was well, some they quick did, time they went to like NAB and stuff like that yeah but i think this was I, anyway i can't remember exactly what it was i thought it was like some specific thing for quick time like a conference for quick time anyway he goes and like and at the time these guys were not all that great at like presenting and they were also all compared to jobs who was really good at presenting and so i read something about you know the you know schiller being compared to jobs and and coming out not well and so i i and it was also the time um, when the Enron people were going in front of Congress and and were pleading the Fifth Amendment, and so I said that like all the QuickTime uh, conference attendees had wished that Schiller had pled the Fifth Amendment, <laughs> and and then and then you know I, and I write that because I'm I'm a, I'm a jerk, and and then I wake up the next morning and <laughs> I look at my email and it's like. <laughs> Phil Schiller. <laughs> like, I'm like, and I'm just, and I'm kind of groggy, and I'm like, okay, and I'm like, what? Uh oh. <laughs> Mr. Moltz, please turn your Mac to the nearest. <laughs> you will find your Mac so, is already gone. So Schiller, Schiller emailed me a few times. He had, he had already emailed me a few times, and we had had some banter back and forth, and had a had a decent really. He was very nice about it. He just he thought it was funny. Um, and so at some point, you know, in mid two thousand two, he sends me this email and says, "Hey, would you ever consider coming to work at Apple?" And I was like, you know, my wife had a good job at the time. She was covering politics and for the local paper, and was you know there was a you know. She was doing really well and she didn't want to move and neither one of us really wanted to move and they wouldn't do remote, obviously, and moving to Cupertino seemed awful. And also working at Apple seemed like it would be a lot of work. (laughs) So I I sort of explained some of that and I said, you know, but, you know, but if I get really desperate, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so jaws tells the rest of the story of the talk show which is that um it was this was after the, the new york OS 9 funeral yeah so the new york um mac world event i believe 
And they had done this big thing where they buried Mac OS 9 because Jobs was desperate to get everybody off of Mac OS 9 and onto OS 10. And so they had this mock funeral for it. And he said some nice words and said, okay, that's it. You know, we're all done. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then I wrote something uh, a day or two after that said, that a bunch of OS 9 developers had jumped up onto the stage and resuscitated OS 9 and had saved it. And he, um, you know, was then yelling at OS 9 that it was a dead man and that he was coming for it. And so apparently he, they, they showed this to Jobs. Schiller and, and Jaws, I guess, showed this to Jobs and Jobs read it at a marketing meeting aloud. <laughs> <laughs> and and seemed to think that it was very funny and said you know this guy is a good writer we should we should offer him a, a job and so then schiller sends you know sends me that email which i did not know the beginning part i mean i, I don't i don't think i would have i don't think it would have changed my decision um it but certainly would have made me think longer about it <laughs> I really want the It's a Wonderful Life version of where John takes the job. <laughs> See, I think that would have been the worst. I think that would have been worse. Right? We, w- we would probably not be here right now. <laughs> no, we certainly would. We certainly would not be here. So that's why I think it would be worse, Dan. I know. Aww. I agree. Oh, group hug, guys. And I, you know, and I, and I spent some time this week, or you know, in the past like week and a half or whatever, it's been thinking. Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> um, but but then also thought about. Uh, Tim Cook thanking all the Apple employees for working nights and weekends and not seeing their families for months on end. And I thought, nah, no, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm fine. So, something tells me the writers don't have to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, they definitely probably. Need some, I'm sure that's true. Although, writing done. Eh, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are times when they do. Here's, here's what I was thinking, because I listened to the Twitter outcry about that, and then I listened to the show's conversation about that. And I agree, if a job requires that people have to work long nights and weekends and stuff, then somebody has uh, a poor expectation, right? There isn't enough time to do the work, or there aren't enough mm-hmm. people, or something. That said, I- I'm sure this is not the popular. What's he opinion. supposed? To, what's he supposed to do? Well, it, they're not indentured servants, right? They're people who yeah. chose to work at Apple and who are getting paid. And frankly, they're getting paid really, really, really well. Um, I, you know, I, I've had people not at all from the tech side of things who uh, were interested in working places where I worked in my life. And just their own, you know, so like non-tech people with their comp packages there are making very healthy incomes with lots of Apple, Apple, lots of Apple stock grants coming their way. Like they're, they're making really good money. Now, I'm not saying that yeah. because you're getting paid so well, people can abuse you. But again, I, I feel like if you work at Apple, you are employable, generally speaking. <laughs> um, Daniel Jowell yeah. may be the exception because he always used to say <laughs> that he was not employable. But, you know, like, but my point is, if they're they're working in those things where they work you very hard, you have a choice, and there are other places to work. So, like, I don't think that you can make a habit of it. But I think that if there's, you know, a project that takes three months of, like, going crazy, or maybe two months or whatever it is, and you don't mind the job, then, like... I think it's well, up this, to the Apple. Yeah, I mean, I, right? Because I mean, I in my youth, I I worked at a company where we had it was like I did project work, and when you had a project that was going to be on delivery, I mean, I would I slept in my office one night, and I don't recommend that for people who have children or anything like that. But I was, you know, I was in my early thirties or something, and it was 
it was fine, basically. I wasn't, like, missing something at home. I mean, my, my wife was fine with it. She knew where I was, and and it was okay. I, I think it's that's okay in certain circumstances. I think I think it would, be, it would have been a little bit better if maybe he had just thanked everybody for their hard work instead of, like, you know, digging in the, the like, you know, the nights and weekends thing. And like, Or if you phrase it a little differently. I know some of you had to put in nights and weekends, and while we never want that to happen, we really appreciate your dedication. It's yeah, it's, a, it's an optics I, thing. I guess. I, I, mean, I think there like, is an optics thing in, in the way that it was presented because yes, i like yeah. you guys i mean i worked when i was working web dev like we had to turn in a project and i had to pull like a 12 hour saturday once because like yeah. it needed to get done right and like there right. just wasn't enough time in the week to get it done and that was not a thing we did regularly well, and that's the, well the, i mean and there's so, there are certain things that you that you as a like an it person need to do i mean and, and maybe not it doesn't necessarily apply for like the kind of development that apple's doing but when you're supporting staff there are certain things that you can only do on the weekends right right yeah. exactly i uh, i remember so vividly uh, and this is helpful apple content uh when i worked at a company called uh, i guess it was when i was at demand media and i was based in uh, New Jersey at this point, and the company was based in Los Angeles, and we were going to be launching a new version of a website. And although I was really on the product side there, I had done tech work on this. I had done the, some coding, so I was I was supposed to be part of the team that was launching the new version of the site, which was going to be late West Coast time, which was very late East Coast time. That's how time zones work. And so we're up for hours and hours doing this migration, and now it's four a.m. and now it's five a.m. and finally around five forty-five, we're finished. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to go to sleep. If you need anything, I'll have my phone on my chest. And at 5.50, <laughs> they called because they had decided to do a rollback. And that was probably one of the worst days of that job. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. Because then you stayed up all night for nothing. Yeah. That's no that's like when you play a really long game of chess and it's a draw. It's like, why did I even bother? It was a tie. Well, it depends who you're playing. Mm-hmm. Kasparov. Yeah. I mean, if you draw with Kasparov, that's pretty damn good. Moltz's dad or grandfather <laughs> uncle <laughs> cousin well we've covered the important issues of the keynote so there's really nothing else left <laughs> yeah, to right. talk about. well if that's the case then i would say this if you're looking to buy one of those really expensive mac pros uh, that was basically the same lead-in you used last week but if you're looking for a way to save some extra money this summer start paying less interest on your credit card balances by refinancing with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. it's Yay! an easy way to save hundreds to thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with AutoPay. That's far lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. Plus, there are absolutely no fees, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Because Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. Just for our listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash rebound. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash rebound. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash rebound for more information. If you're a regular listener, you know that John Moltz has done exactly this. He has done this kind of interest rate consolidation, these credit card consolidations for his balances. And he recommends it. Do you not, John? I completely do. I, I This is, you know, <laughs> it. I, I love this ad. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I really do. Because this is really good advice. Because... I, I sat on a bunch of credit card debt for way too long and finally consolidated it on something that was had a much and I didn't use Lightstream because this was this was a long time ago, but I, I would have if you know I might have if it had been around at the time. And if you're sitting on credit card debt, don't. 
get something, you know, check out Lightstream and you'll be much better off. One more time, it's lightstream.com slash rebound. Uh, so, I mean, I, I thought the, the, the keynote was interesting. I definitely, I definitely feel like they are always, and I've talked about this on the show before, they are less exciting when you don't watch them live. When you watch them later after reading about them, you're like, okay, like it's good. I'm pleased. Um, but uh, well, I don't know. That's I mean, part of it too. I mean, I, I, I end up di- doing digest for a lot of other keynote type things that are non-Apple. And I feel like they're almost always less exciting. First of all, they're almost always less exciting, period. But they're also almost always less exciting when you're reading the summaries and stuff like that. And I yeah. think it does take a lot of the... Because, you know, you don't... It's a presentation, right? It's like hearing somebody relate a movie to you and then going to a movie and being like, oh, yeah, that no, was but good, saying, but like... E- yeah. Right, exactly. Even further, it's like once it's been... Once you know all the things that happened, yeah. part of it, it's like watching a football game where you know the outcome is not as exciting. As why? 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 No, <laughs> no appeal. And, yeah. Uh, but what if the, the Eagles win? I was gonna say, <laughs> if it's Super Bowl 52, you can watch it over and over again. It's great every time. Um, some of us might tear up every single time. I don't know who that is. <laughs> It's me. And, it's Dan. Um, it's, yeah, sure. But because uh, he's a Patriots fan and he's sad that Tom Brady lost. Uh, but mm. so I, I don't know, but I thought it was interesting. I think the thing I'm most excited about Dan mentioned on last week's show as well. You can tell I really did listen, but um, a built in swiping keyboard is better mm-hmm. than a Google swiping keyboard. And so I'm interested mm-hmm. to see if I like it more or not. I've been using this, the Gboard for so long. So I'm excited for that in iOS 13. I will say, I did not understand what was happening with iPad OS. I mean, intellectually, yes, I understand. You guys talked about the rebranding and all that, but I didn't feel like I had a mastery of any of the gestures they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, yeah, I think there's going to be some work required there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how intuitive the. So you're talking specifically not. like the, the cut the and paste and the intuitive. selection. Yeah, I don't know. That, I mean, and yeah. also just the way they were describing multitasking, like grab the app from over here and now you can. Yeah, do this, and there's two of the app. And I'm like, wait, what did you do to get two of the app? And yeah, I, I, I think that's something I'm going to need to use before I really get a get a handle on it. Because I yeah. even now I don't have a full. I'm with you. I don't have a full concept in my head of exactly how that works. Yeah, I don't have the right mental model for it. And I believe one of you uses Expose or whatever it's called now, Mission Control, and the other I doesn't. Do. I use Mission Control. And what's do you? Um, on the iPad? Oh no, well, no, on there, the it Mac. doesn't really exist on the iPad right now. I, I use I use it very rarely. I use yeah, it, I, I quite use but it I do use it from time to time. I use it almost exclusively accidentally when I trigger it. Um, <laughs> the thing that I use is I always on every new Mac I set up the right corner, uh, the right hot corner as a show the desktop, <laughs> which is not quite mission control, but it's like the opposite. Well, I use um, the uh, I use the gesture for that on the trackpad because I use the, the magic trackpad. Away. Yeah, and then I use the bottom left corner to trigger expose or the gesture for that but i almost always do it accidentally and i think well that's pretty useful and then i never use it so i how do you how do you like the magic trackpad just to for a second i love my magic trackpad It is my favorite input device of all time wow i I do i love it i i mine is the keyboard (laughs) nope i like typing on my magic trackpad (laughs) two fingers nope (laughs) wrong lex you guys love touch interfaces come on The the keyboard's been around been around for 120 years but nope <laughs> fuck that noise i feel like i just peaked on this podcast i don't think i could ever do better i'm sorry that was my favorite because i because i am i am thinking about buying a new input device and so i was what do you, what cons- do you use now i also love the magic trackpad for whatever i had the magic mouse when for like a- i got away from mice after a while i just really i i don't like them and i found they're much i find them much harder on my like on rsi type stuff 
I find them yeah. much much tougher, like my hands and my wrists and yeah, stuff that's get probably, a lot more sore. Right. I, I used I love the, the magic. I, I was on a business trip to uh, Oakland during Dub Dub. Yeah, and you didn't did come down and say hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were all on the same coast. I saw that. that I saw you guys happens. were you were you were blowing kisses to each other across we the were. bay. That's right. But so I there I, they had set me up with you know just a, a temporary workstation. So it was like one of those gigantic curvy monitors. I can't even tell you what size it was, but like a probably a Samsung branded monitor that was enormous, which I just loved, and um, a Magic Mouse and the wireless keyboard. And I thought the Magic Mouse was okay, but the the right clicking felt finickier and the yeah. I, I agree with dan that the there's there was like the angle required to hit the fake scroll wheel right to, to use it for scrolling was unpleasant i had to shift my hand or pinch my finger in a way that i didn't like and the magic trackpad is so roomy i will say when i'm in my regular laptop setup even if i've got a, an external keyboard attached i i don't use an external mouse i just use the 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 giant trackpad as my magic trackpad because mm. it's in the mm. the right general spot for me yeah, I, ever since they, you know, basically ever since they started using the multi-touch trackpads on laptops, yeah. that was really what won me over. At that point, I was like, there's no reason for me to ever use a mouse anymore. And I have one that is occasionally gets used as like a backup for when I need oh, to like, you're, you're something. Also, I, should, I should also remember that your, your touch touch click, whatever you're... A, a you're, tap like, clicker? Yeah, your tap clicker. Not you're exclusively, a tap but I will... I, I, <laughs> you're a goddamn tap clicker. <laughs> if you tap click once, you're a tap clicker as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> You can't be half pregnant, dirty. You're a dirty. I use both. I use both. I'm a. I'm an open-minded guy. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not. So We're set in our ways. Lex only likes keyboards from you know, 18, <laughs> I I only 1890. Like they're, just, they're my favorite input device. My second is the microphone. Um, <laughs> Well, I want to know what things, what announcements you were most excited by, and maybe said at the end of last week's show because I didn't get that far. Before we go there, <laughs> I should say in. A month or so, Dan Morin is getting married. What? Man. Why does and no one bo- tell me these things? <laughs> Both Dan and I will be wearing Indochino suits. Dan and I were talking about his Indochino suit uh, before Moltz was kind enough to show up for this podcast. And uh, I- I've worn two. I own two Indochino suits. I don't know which one I'm going to wear to Dan's wedding. I'm probably going to wear it with a t-shirt underneath for cooling. But uh, that's garden attire, right, Dan? That counts? That qualifies? I, I, is, are you saying to be cool? Because you're always cool, Lex. No, you have I'm to wear overalls. You have to wear funny. overalls for garden attire. Uh, but uh, these are great suits. And because they are made to measure, they look fantastic on you. They fit your body shape perfectly. Indochino makes suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and covers colors and covers suits or covers basically they cover your nakedness mm-hmm. uh, but the process is easy dan did it by visiting a stylist in one of their 40 showrooms in north america probably one in the boston area and you can also do it yourself which is what i did you can measure yourself at home and shop online at indochino.com our advice is that our listeners can get any premium indochino suit for just 359 dollars at indochino.com as long as you enter the promo code rebound when you're checking out and i'll tell you i, I just read something today where it's like you can buy like super cheap crappy suits for very little money and you look like you're wearing a super cheap crappy suit. Or you can buy nice suits that look fantastic and last forever. $359 is 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. And the shipping, it's free. So that's Indochino.com, promo code REBOUND, for any premium suit for just $359 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. They like me to say, once you go custom, you don't go back. But our listeners know, I feel it's custom or bustum. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So what are you most excited about? I, you're not going to buy the Mac Pros. <laughs> no, no one we know will. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
Eh, that's probably not true. <laughs> no one we no one we see. Have you met Marco? Every week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not even sure Marco's gonna buy one, but that's uh, no. That's... He said he would. He he suggested he would. He's like, I don't need one, but I'll still get one. <laughs> how about how about Shipley? Have you met Shipley? <laughs> yeah. Actually, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, then me. Then maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Uh, know the things I will say that I find the most interesting and that I'm excited about. Uh, sign in with Apple. I think I'm really intrigued by. I yeah. think that is a. Not only is it something that I think is great for users, uh, but it's also something that I think is is an incredibly clever strategic move by Apple because, and I've said this a couple other columns I've written, uh, it's not only about trying to prioritize themselves over Facebook and Google, but it also actively denies Facebook and Google data, which is what they make their money on. So... It's a really, and, and then they don't even need, like Apple doesn't need to collect the data because that's not how they built their business model. But if they can take users away from Facebook and Google, that is a yeah. net gain for them. Uh, so right. I have only one complaint about all of this, and yeah. I'm surprised at people not complaining about it more. Only because we complain about draconian app store policies and, you know, the fact that you still have to, apps have to beat around the bush about how do you buy books for the kindle app yeah <laughs> you've got to leave and go to the, and i think that's crappy and i think that apple is too big to to be that jerky um and i don't like that they are forcing it i think that they should let consumers force the issue by saying we're not going to use apps to do this but i don't like that the design guidelines say well that the rule is you must offer apple sign-in if you offer google or facebook sign-in and then two it's got to be the most prominent button <laughs> and it, you can't have to scroll to find it. And their recommendation is that it be on top and larger than the other buttons or at minimum the same size. <laughs> and I think that's shitty. Yeah. I think that it's, I get what they're trying to do, but like you don't, the, the way to establish a monopoly and not get caught is to be chill about it. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> You don't force I, it. I'm not sure you could consider it a monopoly in that sense. I, I'm not sure that's actually how that plays out, but I will I grant you that. I think it is it, it feels slightly petty. I, I would even be okay if they made it mandatory and for for cases that use Facebook and Google. Um yeah. without feeling like it like, you know, devolved into and ours needs to be the biggest button. I mean, I get it. You want to have every all your options presented equally. What I don't know, and this is, I don't know. If I could also is... see them, by the way, doing it for new apps only. I think it's mean to make people go back and change their mm. apps to support mm. another login. Um, uh, what uh, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. But what I also don't know is what the what are the strictures for Facebook and Google in terms of because like both you know Facebook, Google, Amazon, all these companies have like very clear regulations about say how you can display those like badges that they give you to put on your website right like I, i've seen this right. when i like put on amazon like buy buttons on my website it's like oh it's got to be in this format and it's got to be here and you got to use it this way like there are there are legit like guidelines for how you have to display that information so i'm curious i don't know if google and facebook it have similar restrictions the other thing the other thing that I will say is that I have seen articles and in the New York Times of all places where people have chastised Apple for making a platform that enables Google and Facebook to scrape your information. So at the same time that Apple is doing better than both of those companies in protecting your information, they're also getting dinged by people because they present they just offer the platform. So in a I, I don't think it, I don't think it's a really a bad thing for them to say, OK, well, if you're going to if you're going to have to if you're going to offer third party sign in, 
then you also have to offer ours, which is not going to scrape your information. And I guess one of my objections is like if Google or Facebook says, no, you have to have it look this way. It has to do this thing. They can't actually enforce it. This is but true. Apple can gate the app store and say, we're only going to let yeah. you approve your app. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's lots of app store rules that are sketchy and I do. should be, I'm- should be changed and, are are uh, it's certainly a monopoly on the uh, obviously a, a huge monopoly on the on the apple platform <laughs> like i don't know about you guys uh, although i have a guess especially for most but i almost never use those login with facebook or google buttons i did oh, yeah. early on before i figured it out but yeah. i always want to create a unique login for each thing and i found that even on those rare occasions when you use those login with facebook buttons a lot of the time they're like all right, this is what we think your email address is from Facebook, but you can still change it. I've occasionally used the login with Google One for sites where it's like, I don't really care if anybody, like, it's a thing I'm making a site, like, a account for for two seconds because I want to check something out. It's like, I don't want to go through the trouble of making a new account and coming up with, like, passwords and stuff. And before, especially, like, they did the auto generations of passwords and the keychain and stuff like that. And but yeah, like you, Lex. I think since I sort of caught on to like, oh, I see what this is really being used for. I have cut back immensely on those things. So I think I use them for very few, if any, if anything. So I think for me, the the thing that I that I like about this is the whole like the email shield thing is a big deal. I think that's very clever. And yeah, oh, no, it's it's so smart. And I I want I, it. I, I want it badly for years. <laughs> probably since since the time I got my domain. Um, and became the master of it. I started uh, every service I sign up for has its own email address because basically it's not like Apple's, which is a relay. But you know, my email provider, which is actually Google at this point, lets you set up a catch-all address where anything at your domain goes to you if you are so inclined. So every single service that I sign up for has its own version of my address. Like if I were signing up for uh, Windows account, I might use Windows at lexisdomain.org. And so that's, I've basically been doing what I was doing because that way if an email address gets sold, you can just literally tell Gmail to stop uh, getting those emails. Like, right. I never used Gmail right and that was not an option on uh, the iCloud mail system, unfortunately. But now now they've kind of just made that even more automatic, which I'm a fan of. So that's, yeah. I think that's one of the big announcements for me. Um, they haven't shown, how do you shut down those email addresses? Because I think yeah, I don't the way I would interface. imagine it working is like... They're, they're, they're going to do it with your Apple uh, ID. Right. Um, so it's going to go to your whatever email app you're using. And I use Gmail. What you want is like a one tap button. And maybe they append it to those emails as a bonus signature. Thing, but like you want to say, like, you know what? This email address is being abused. Kill it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be like where they have the unsubscribe button for mailing lists now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, but I want it like not that. just in the mail app. I want it everywhere. If I'm using a, a third party mail app. Mm. And then I don't understand uh, what I read in the uh, uh, TechCrunch has a great FAQ about how Apple ID login is going to work, but I didn't quite follow. They said that anybody that creates apps that can sign in with Apple ID uh, can register up to 10 domains from which they can send emails to that address. That seems high. And I'm sure that that was a a road tested number, but I would like to say you get one domain or maybe two from which you can email me because the whole point is I don't want you to abuse that email address. I want you to only email me stuff that I want to see. Now, either way, if you can shut it down, then who cares? But I I was surprised at the 10 number. I don't know if either of you had an explanation that made sense to you. Uh, I didn't. I must have glossed over that part. I do not. Other than was it including subdomains maybe? No, because this is just emails that they can address that they can email you from. You can't really email from a subdomain. I mean, you can it's basically, you can have 10 is it, Oh, it's domains. specifically, it's a specific address is what you're saying, not a domain. No, I'm saying domain. So, like, 
well, this is fun for our listeners to listen to as I try to explain myself better. But the basically the TechCrunch FAQ about uh, the headline was answers to your burning questions about how sign in yeah, with yeah, Apple I, works. I, I looked at this. I must have just missed the domain part. Yeah, but they say something about basically if you once you register it, uh, developers ah, have to register okay. with Apple, with Apple, which email domains they'll use to contact their customers. They can only register up to ten domains in communication emails. So, like, that's, I guess that oh, I guess seems like a not that's a not well written answer. Is I guess what yeah, I would say. That could be ten unique email addresses they can write you from, like right. do not reply at, and customers. Or support it could be ten at. different ten different domains could incre- include subdomains like lex.friedman.com. Yeah, whatever. Right. So I, I don't know what the exact details of that. I'd have to look at the developer agreement, probably. Um, I wanted to throw in something else, too, that I thought was really interesting that didn't get a lot of time in the keynote, which is the shortcuts improvements. There's a ton of stuff there that I heard a lot about, like, after the keynote last week from other people who were really jazzed about it. But, like, there's, like, a hundred more than 100 different triggers now that you can use to start shortcuts without you taking an action. For example, like... When you set a scene, when you plug your phone in at night or stuff like that, there's like stuff that your phone does that when it does, you can set it up to trigger automations, which is pretty cool. And I think there's also support for parameters in, in series shortcuts. So you can specify like a specific thing, like an argument essentially to pass into series shortcuts rather than having to do like a pop-up. Plenty of arguments on this show. What? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if if I, I i can't believe that i am not a shortcuts user but i'm super not so i'm intrigued like uh, i feel yeah. like the promise of computers for years there used to be you remember back in the day you'd get the mac catalogs like oh, i'm yeah. talking oh early yeah 90s and there mac were always warehouse be, yeah yes mm-hmm. i loved all of them what mac was the day. other one i was trying to think yeah, of. yeah i can't remember but mac connection maybe mac connection but there was one that I thought was like alliterative, like Mac Mall or something like that. Oh, yeah, there yes. was a Mac Mall. Yes, yeah. yes, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, there was Mac Connection, but yeah, so Mac Mall was the one I was thinking of, though. This is nostalgia right now. But so what oh, I, there yeah. was always software, and I feel like it was from the, the same people who made like Stuff It. Uh, but there was some app that was like, <laughs> we'll, we'll automatically suggest shortcuts for your Mac. Or like, you routinely do this and then this and then this. And we're going to say, and none of those apps ever suggested diddly to me. And like the shortcuts that Siri does suggest sometimes, like, you frequently text your wife. And I'm like, great. I don't need a shortcut button to text my wife. I can just go to messages or use Siri. Uh, and I think they're saying that shortcuts in iOS 13 will do even more of that. I, I'll believe well, it. When I mean, I see. I, I, I'm going to say I don't think I've ever used like the Siri shortcuts thing, but the shortcuts app is the thing that I like. I have used a, I've used that a little bit. It's extremely powerful. So this is the you know basically it came out of workflows, and I got the impression you could use those to. There's a lot more you can do there in terms of being able to like create automations. Seems mm-hmm. like it could be potentially very powerful. There's also a conversational uh, shortcut thing where I think you can like basically like talk to Siri and it can like prompt you for responses, which is like more of a back and forth instead of just like essentially it was a macro in in iOS 12, right? You said this exact phrase and this exact thing happens. Whereas my understanding is conversational stuff, it can you can say a phrase and it can seek clarification from you still in the Siri interface. And then you can like proceed from there, which gives you a lot more power and flexibility. But yeah, yeah it's it's there's a lot of stuff. Like for example, I have a um, one of it's, these were making the rounds. There are shortcuts NFC stickers that you can basically use to to have trigger an action. So you can program shortcuts to be like when I tap it on this sticker, do this shortcut. 
Um, so like there's a lot more power and, and, and flexibility in terms of that stuff, which could be really interesting. Uh, I think it's, it's impressive how much stuff they've opened up to customization and scripting, which was something that was very, very locked down before this. Yeah. The th- the thing that we have not talked about in this episode, at least, and we talked about it last week, but, but, um, which seemed like the biggest thing to come out of WWDC was Swift UI. Yeah. I, uh... I think it's it's a weird thing because it, I think it demoed very well, but I think it's something that, you know, we don't, none of us have any use for. No, <laughs> right, 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 right. But there's been a lot of but, talk about but, it. But I will say, but I will say that it seems like it was extremely well received. Yeah. Right. I mean, it seems like, you know, it's a developer conference, it's a developer crowd, and the stuff that they demoed and talked about after the fact, uh, for the most part anyway, uh, seemed like this was something that people were really jazzed about. Well, it's impressive stuff. I mean, based on, you know, Lex and I both did web development stuff and like web coding. And I think it's weird because in some ways, like the way that it now, that SwiftUI seems to work feels a lot like the way that web development worked, right? Like you make a change and then like you refresh your app and or your, your browser and there, your change is now reflected. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, you know, obviously building apps has never quite been like that. There's a lot of other steps in between, but it does feel like, you know, in some ways, well, this is, isn't this how it always was? Like, (laughs) why would, why was it so complicated before? So I think there's a lot, a lot there that's going to be super important for developers, but it's also something that I think is going to be, I've heard this talked about in a couple of places. It's not something that's like an overnight transition. And it's not something that's even makes a lot of sense for, people currently building apps right like this is something like great for new apps definitely yes getting your existing apps like first of all not everybody's even using swift yet but i think it's clearly like pointing the direction to where they want to go right i think they'll start using it pretty swiftly i feel like when lex (laughs) at some point he just like is like just just between you and i (laughs) 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 oh what that's not okay (laughs) I hate you so much. <laughs> I had two other things I want to talk about okay, <laughs> that are not at all news. related to the keynote last week. Well, okay. that's okay. This is old news. This is just you that's humoring right. me because I missed. We're just week. catching. We're catching Lex up. So yeah. one is this afternoon. <laughs> I installed a new. If this is about your Mac Mini, I'm hanging yeah. up the phone. <laughs> I installed a new Mac Mini. No, it's not about my Mac Mini. I installed <laughs> a new uh, car stereo in my car that has car. Oh play yeah, I this. saw that. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty easy. I had sort of been thinking about doing this for a while, and there were some people on some of the, I think, on the Six Colors member Slack, uh, who were had similar had the same or similar cars to mine, and said, you know what you can do is you can just buy essentially an OEM version of the like slightly better radio unit that does support CarPlay, and literally just pop out your old stereo and pop in the new stereo, and you're done. And I was like, well, this sounds really interesting, but you have to like, you know, buy them from yeah. China, essentially. <laughs> um, so it's possible my car has now been infected with malware. It's a possibility, but I'm taking that <laughs> risk. Now, I'm curious because I, I, we talked about CarPlay last years ago on the show, and I know that Apple said, oh, we're improving CarPlay too. But when you give it like no screen time, <laughs> it's not, not that exciting. Uh, the only times I've used CarPlay were in rental cars, and I found it infuriating. 
and maybe it's better now. So I'm, I'm curious about your experience as you start using it. Yeah, I, I've so far, I mean, I've just used it a little bit tonight, testing out some of the mapping features and the audio playback it is so much better than my current radio, right? Like I can understand well, see, if there are the things thing, that drive right? me crazy. My current compared radio to was what, a Yeah, and I keep shit. thinking about this too, like compared to what I have, it's got to be better because it's a piece of shit. I literally, I, I don't know if I told you this before, but this is the funniest thing about the old, the stereo that came with my car is that, so you would play stuff and it would like, it had a touchscreen, right? Like it had a nice, you know, five four or five inch touchscreen or something i don't know and it would show you what's playing and it had the little you know we're all used to having the little bar that shows you where in the song you are right mine would just fucking make up numbers like they would change randomly on the sides and like it would suddenly be like jumping ahead by like 15 seconds the song is not just the display and then it would not it could not figure out how long songs were i don't know what was going on i think it was because the bluetooth in originally with this unit was kind of a bolt-on and so it didn't really understand how to get that information over the bluetooth connection i didn't even know that you could get that information over bluetooth because i've never had a car that did it over bluetooth i'm not sure you can i think it's making it up (laughs) and and that was so um, infuriating because you'd be like oh man how much longer do i have in this podcast and there was literally no way to tell without looking at the mine does mine does not say anything yeah Yeah. so So already already this is a huge advantage Number one is that for me, the thing that bugged me about CarPlay was like, uh, let's say you're the passenger and it's car playing from your phone, um, which I have done uh, whilst navigating. And so like the, the driver is using the map, but you want to keep using your phone. <laughs> no, <laughs> like you change apps. <laughs> if the, it's a CarPlay supported app, it changes to that app. Yeah. And if you go to an app that it doesn't support, it just shows the home screen. And if the driver's like, no, I need to do the map and taps on it, now your phone launches maps again. Like, you want it to be effectively multitasking, right? Like, the car is going to show one right, thing, but and my phone can show another. But it's actually kind of right. using a version of AirPlay, sort yeah, of, right? Like, sort of, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's yep. an external and display So that's thing. an annoyance. Now, but like, when you're doing uh, connected displays, of course, you can have one monitor show one thing and one monitor show the other. Yeah. Multitasking yeah. exists on the iPad with side-by-side apps and whatnot, but that's not how car, that was one annoyance. And I guess the other thing, uh, I didn't like that notifications would just show up on the center screen so everybody could read your messages as they come oh, in, depending on the settings. Whatever. Interesting, like, like yeah. I'm sure there's a setting to tweak well, it, but like... The, the only one I've seen so far is messages set, Messages notifications do come through on CarPlay, but they don't display the message. It just says, like, they, right. so-and-so, well, like, Lex texted you, and you can tap right. on it, and it will read you the and message. And then it reads it to you, which is annoying. Well, um, but that's... Oh, it shouldn't display it in text. You're correct. fucking driving. Correct. Yeah, exactly. I would rather just not tell me that I got texted. Well, uh, well, Lex, it, Lex's car can drive itself. So. It does well, I was going to say, the other reason I might not be interested in CarPlay is like, <laughs> I have a gigantic, like, I'm, I'm fully made that it's spoiling, right? You get a gigantic display, and like, there, every once in a while, if you're in a Tesla forum, because why wouldn't you be? People are like, when is it going to support CarPlay? And it's like, never. Why would they? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And what, <laughs> what Elon has occasionally said is, maybe one day we'll do mirroring, which I don't even know if that's going to be possible. I guess it could be possible. Isn't that just the make it same like, thing? It's just no. it's using the actual well, yeah, iOS. You guys device. remember the watch that mirrored the iPhone? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lex, let me tell you two things. You're going to punch me in the face like that guy. Uh, well, according, I'm looking at the iOS 13 updates to CarPlay, and the first one is CarPlay Dashboard, which is an all-new view that gives you a single place to keep track of maps, audio controls, and smart series suggestions. So I guess there is a bundle of more, like an option where you can show more stuff. There's a home screen redesign, apparently. And it does say you will be able to and you will be able to enable do not disturb while driving in CarPlay to not get notifications. So that will Good. at least address some of your problems. The map thing I have to double check because I felt like 
that didn't come up as but yeah i guess that they're definitely overthinking like on the way back we were listening to a podcast and it was a connected to cat's phone and she would like change the app or something and it does it keeps playing but yeah definitely the controls went away that's for sure so that may be a fundamental problem the, so far the biggest annoyance for me although i like the simplicity of being able to plug it in and certainly having it charge at the same time is a benefit it, i don't mind the one i have doesn't support the wireless carplay which i think is a lot less common uh but i do miss like you know my current setup was just bluetooth audio right like i sat in i turned the car on i waited a long time for it to pair usually uh and then i didn't have to worry about plugging in into anything so there's now i have like a cable draped out of my dashboard which is not as great i did see an awesome mod that somebody did where they essentially like routed the lightning cable like through the console all the way up into like the center armrest compartment and they put like a dock in there and everything i was like i do not have the ability to do that but it looked awesome <laughs> i'm not i am not i keep thinking about getting one and I am definitely not doing what you did. I'm not, I am not prying my dashboard open because I will, I will guaranteed 100% fuck it up. <laughs> it was super easy for me. Like the only thing that was actually difficult, like the hardest part was getting the plastic molding off. Cause I needed that's to like, the thing. see, that's the thing I don't want to do. I, I'm going to crack it and then I'm going to destroy yeah, it are. for the rest of my car's yeah, life. That was, it did not, it was not that big a deal, but and I was definitely, I will say I was worried a couple times about it, but I managed to get it off and get it back on with no problems. Like once you get it, it off, so it's scary. like four freaking, screws though um i will say the my hands down the most amazing thing about this i tried to tell cat this while we're driving home and she's like oh that's nice but you don't understand there's a button on the steering wheel i have where when i bought this car volkswagen had designed its own stupid voice recognition thing and the only time this would happen is I would accidentally hit this button and it would go like bloom main menu options are and it would like start reading <laughs> shit and you could not get it to stop. You just have to wait until it finishes and then yell cancel at it as loud as possible. That button now just triggers Siri and it's the most amazing thing ever because it's actually useful. <laughs> I'm so incredibly happy about this. You have no idea. He's it was the, so stupid. He's the happiest Siri user ever. I am. It's true. <laughs> Anyways, we found him. We found I'm, him, and he's on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, so far, I really enjoyed it. It was a definitely, there was basically no downside. The two things I lost that I never used one, I did occasionally, like, it doesn't, the version I bought doesn't have the HD radio or whatever. It's like, all right, whatever. I listen to the radio, but I don't really need like high definition digital radio oh, or God, whatever. No, I, uh, and I, I, lost a, I lost a CD player, which I had literally never used. <laughs> <laughs> This my CD player. You know, my CD player is full of a um, amount. Oh yeah, for my phone. Yeah. yeah, I have a vent so. mount, so that's the uh, yeah. I have no downsides about that. Anyways, that was one thing I wanted to report. So far, I like it very much. I will keep you updated, uh, Lex, to see if it's thank you. If they fix any of those things, mm-hmm. I'll ask. Well, that's why we have this podcast, Lex, is to keep you updated. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I did have a second thing, but this is more of a question for you guys. Okay, is it picks? <laughs> Less of a comment, more of a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a Mac Mini anymore. <laughs> but I Are you saying it's me? Because I, I think a, I can fix it. <laughs> I have a bunch of files, and I don't know what to do with the, all the data that was on there. Because my, neither my iMac nor my MacBook Air have enough space for me to just oh. dump all those files. So network attached storage device. Network well, attached storage what I've, device. That's what I'm strongly yeah, that's considering. That's what he's been asking about. I'm trying to figure out if that's the direction I should go, 
And I looked around a little bit to be like, well, could I just slap a bunch of these in like a raid enclosure or something? But like raid enclosures are even more expensive than network attack storage devices, especially if you want like a Thunderbolt one or something. The biggest problem, here's the, here are the things that I require. One, mainly like data integrity. Like I need something that, that's backed up and secure and that preferably I can also back up to an online backup service. But my understanding is that some of the ones that you, the NASs don't let you back up to like backblaze you need to like sign up for the like pro level of backblaze and that to me is a little bit annoying so i'm not sure how i feel about that option is that is that a um a function of it being a network device or is that a function of it the the size of it i think it's the network device slash whatever os it's running because it runs its own os right like it's so not- it's, an, it's basically because it, yeah i mean if it's a it's a nas it's a it's another device on your wi-fi it's not it's not an attached device to a to a dedicated computer it's not not on your computer like a just like an external hard drive i guess i could just plug in you know one of these drives is like an external drive to my imac and just have that like backed up to the cloud but then i also don't like i think i think about my drobo my drobo is basically just i mean it's it's physically attached to i mean i have an old one it's firewire (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's firewire 800 though um and it's just, you know, I, I I think it just appears as another drive. Right, so you have a Drobo. I don't think, would, I don't think you would know the difference about that. The Drobo is essentially a, like, a RAID, right? But it's its own format. But it's, like, essentially a multi-drive thing yeah. that is somehow interpolated into, like, a single volume. And that's just yep. locally connected to your computer. Right. And so you could just back that up, presumably, to a cloud storage service just by being like, yeah, this is just a drive on my computer. Back it yeah. up. Yeah. What do you need to know? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Now, Lex, <laughs> how, you many, have, how many drives are in there? Lex, you have a NAS, right? I do. I have a Western Digital NAS of some sort. Is it the and one that got hacked or no? It, it, I believe it is the one that has that vulnerability. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Hold on. Let me just I'm check glad, it for I'm you. Glad our listeners know now. I'm in. Yeah. My. <laughs> Again, my domain is danmorin.net. <laughs> now it's your now it's your NAS. <laughs> problem, problem solved. <laughs> it's I don't know. I mean the thing that scares me about it is that one day it will die. Um so well, okay, I don't so like that part. This is my question for you. Uh how do you how do you back it up? Do you back it up? So it in theory has raid-like qualities of its own, right? It is backing up itself. There, there's more than one drive in there, so one is backing up the other. Okay. Beyond that, I'm not backing it up. Okay, uh, yeah. which is a mistake. Yeah. But like, it's that's gigantic. What, that's what I do too. Do it. Well, so that's yeah. the problem. Is I have, I do have, like, there's a lot of files on on this that it probably don't need to be like super backed up because I could, like, my iCloud Photo Library, for example, the Mac Mini downloaded the original copies of all that. I could probably turn that on on my iMac instead and be okay. There's archive files of like podcast raw files, etc. There's you know movies and stuff like that, which are I'm not gonna like be super upset if any of those die. But there are also documents that I store on there that I do consider kind of critical. Um, so you know I certainly want parts of it backed up. But maybe the answer is just back up like just the documents that are like critical to say my iMac, and then just backblaze those. Um, I've just I really my thing is to try and like solve this as kind of elegantly as possible because i don't want to have like six drives hanging off my iMac preferably i'm running i will run out of ports <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i've been try- i've been wrestling with that a bit like the-, the mac mini was easy because it was it was set up and it w- it was fine like as long as it ran 
everything worked just fine. But when the hardware dies, there's not much you can do about that. So, yeah. so what yeah. I do appreciate about the, the WDNAS MyCloud device that I have is that you can log into it locally or remotely, apparently, and uh, you can run diagnostics <laughs> on it. And it tells you that it's healthy. It tells you the temperature. It tells you how fast the fans are going. It tells you how it's feeling. That kind of thing. tells you how it's feeling. And so, like, but it used to be, there was a time, truly, when I would check it and it would say, like, one of the drives is failing. Uh, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to deal with this later. And then there was a firmware update where it's like, we can now repair a thing. And it did. And it has been like smooth sailing ever since. And <laughs> there was a time when I was terrified, but like it now does diagnostic reports all the time. I check it and like, if because there's two drives in there, if it ever said like, hey, that one isn't working again. Now, no, okay, I got to learn how to swap it, which I think could be done, but I don't know. It works. <laughs> It really, it works and it works. The thing that I wanted it to do is that, it, you know, when I rip my entire DVD collection, it can stream to my smart devices in the house, which I appreciate. And do you, what do you use for that? I use the Roku's uh, built-in app for doing so. Okay. Mm. Um, my TV has the ability to do it as well, but with a worse interface. But yeah, the, the Roku has a built-in, I can't think of what the hell it's called. It's like, it's called like... Uh, Roku Media Streaming or something mm, okay. like that, and you go to that a Roku streaming channel. I don't know, but you, you go to it and it finds local devices that announce themselves on your network, and you browse it, and that's it. Yeah, so some of these do claim to have built-in Plex servers, but I've also heard that the if they need to transcode stuff, that it can be right. kind of subpar, yeah. and that because the NAS doesn't really have a lot of doesn't have a lot of horsepower, um, right? But there are also a, I think there are some options for hardware accelerators too, which do make that a little bit better. And that's the kind of thing where it's like, I don't, I don't use Plex as much as I used to, but I do still have stuff on it that I'd like to watch from time to time. And I would like to get something that's not terrible at it. What do you, um, well, maybe we should talk about this later, but (laughs) what are you, what are you doing instead of using Plex? Because I find I am using Plex more and more. I've subscribed to a lot of television services. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that I decided I wanted to go legit insofar as it was possible. Uh, I've always felt like I want to put my money where my mouth is, and like I like shows, I'm going to support those by paying for them as much as I can. Uh, and I just I want once that became technologically feasible, it was something I was willing to pay for. Okay. So there's equilibrium on this podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> All right, this has not got me any closer. I've been eyeballing a Synology that the Wirecutter recommended, uh, and I've seen both good things and bad things about it, and I'm kind of still on the fence. It's going to be like... Yeah, t- to me, I mean, if I... W- if, well, you know what I would do if I was in your position, but... Um, would you I would buy. I would buy, I would buy, I would buy a Mac Mini and and stick some drives and you know just attach some drives to it that's yeah, probably what I, I would do i don't i just don't love the external drive because 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 i mean because i feel like that's the most flexible option for it definitely is yeah but it it, it comes with a with the price of like is it overkill is the option yeah and like i think yeah. it probably is but it also is not that much more expensive than buying a nas and two giant drives at this point like right that it cost me 500 if you get if you get a refurbed i mean you can get a refurbed 2018 mac mini for 680 yep true enough but i can't put it yeah you could probably just go to stephen hackett's place and steal one it'd be fun (laughs) (laughs) i'll send him my old one (laughs) (laughs) now i have dibs on your old one are you all right all right that's fine that's fine (laughs) i got dibs on the old kindle (laughs) 
<laughs> apparently I'm boxing up a lot of stuff to send out. Yeah, would you please? No, no, I'll pick it up in person. Well, actually, yeah, right. Well, I'll pick it up in a month. <laughs> I almost, you know what, Lex? I almost, I was debating this. I wanted to, this is, sorry, we're going a little long today, but I had one more thing, which was I was debating, I wanted a new watch band for the wedding. Oh, interesting. And I thought to myself, maybe I should get a Milanese loop. And then I thought, Lex has one and doesn't wear his watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in your house right now it's funny because i have i i just started thinking about should i get a series four should i wait and get a series five i've just started thinking about it this wow. week. apple Basically, watch show it's what it is that's two, what this is two friends got apple watches and i was that, like well those are that's us. like that i see in person is that us? In person. that's not what was it what was your what was your previous one a zero still yeah I only the had four zero. is so oh much better than the zero it's, it's so, not even it's unbelievable it's, it's night and day it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah yeah. Anyways, I was com- I was considering buying a band, but I haven't figured out yet. Also, you can buy knockoff Milanese loops for about ten dollars, and if I really only need it for a day, that might be fine. <laughs> you should wait though. You should wait though, Lex, because I think there's a really good chance that um, Apple Four watches are going to be the the table prize at at, at Dan's wedding. Oh, oh yeah, it's a really good chance. <laughs> Super good. <laughs> you got a good bulk deal. I mean, let me put it this are. way: odds of you sitting—they're <laughs> not a, actually Apple watches, but yeah, they look. Odds like of them. you sitting at a table with someone else with an Apple watch who you could steal it from are high. <laughs> did you? I don't have the, a four though. <laughs> did you invite the Starfish watch guy? Is I did. Was... I did <laughs> only because he threatened me if I didn't. <laughs> I would like to point I'm out: punch you in the face if you don't invite for, me to your wedding. We've talked about the Starfish guy on the show before, um, but. Uh, I looked him up on Facebook just now because one of the articles that I read about him while we were talking linked to his Facebook page. And uh, Dan Frakes, our own friend Dan Frakes, is friends with Star What? Oh, my God. On Facebook. <laughs> what? I'm sure that uh, it means nothing. Daniel Benjamin Frakes. I don't know if that's his middle name, but it sounded good. Probably not. Can I go to bed now? Yeah. <laughs> That was that was the uh, the second name for for the show, right? That we didn't <laughs> yeah. we didn't we didn't go with that one, but it's called uh, taking a weird turn around. <laughs> <laughs> no, turning this show around. I don't turning know. this weird around. Somewhere there is a Google Doc with all the rejected names for turning this car around, and I love that doc. <laughs> it was mostly me coming up with things that angry dads yell at their children. <laughs> um, don't make me come over there. Uh, uh, uh,